Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, teaching the unfiltered Word of God with the anointing of His Spirit, with subjects on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny. Right now I have 
our guest on the phone. He's waiting on mute, and I'm going to mute him and unmute him. That's a tongue twister. I'm going to unmute him in a moment, but I'm really glad you joined Fire Talk Radio today. And uh, whatever part of the world you're listening to from, I'm going to go and I'm going to unmute John. And hold on a second, everybody. John, you're live on the air to everybody all over the world on Fire Talk Radio. Welcome, John. Good morning, Deborah. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for getting in touch with us. Sure, it's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this. And just to let you know, if there's a delay, there's usually a six-second delay, uh, sometimes if I say something to you and sometimes not. So. Okay. So, John, I understand that uh, you were I, – I know that um, you allowed yourself to be buried alive. Um, first of all, um, why did you do that, and uh, um, what was it like actually being buried alive? Well, to answer your first question, the reason that I'm doing this is because I'm a recovered addict, a recovered drug addict and alcoholic. I was taking drugs for over 20 years. As a consequence, I've had a lot of sickness. I've had a liver transplant. I've had cancer and hepatitis C. And now that I've been clean for 27 years with the help of God, I had a miracle happen in my life 27 years ago, and I got set free through the power of God. And I've worked full-time helping addicts and criminals and gangsters and broken people, suicidal people. And unfortunately, I've had to attend an awful lot of funerals. And... um, I'm broken from having to comfort all the mothers and fathers and families of people who've died prematurely through accidental overdose and suicide. And I decided to do something radical to reach these people. So I thought of this idea. The initial idea I thought of was to make the world's biggest syringe, which I have done. And um, uh, I traveled all over Ireland and the UK, reaching the addicted and the suicidal and the lost. And we were able to help many, many thousands of people. But I, I need to reach more people. So I thought of a more radical idea, and I made this coffin. It's eight foot long. It's a meter high and a meter wide. And what I do is I bury this coffin, and I live in it for three days. And I live stream from inside the coffin, and I bring words of life from the grave so that I can reach people before they end up in a premature grave. I can reach the addicted, the alcoholic. I can reach the, the depressed, the suicidal. And I can encourage them not to end up in a premature grave. So that's why I committed this grave, Deborah. The the second question you asked me is what was it like when I came in here? Well, this is my third time doing it. The first time I got buried was in Halifax in England. And it was uh, scary when I was doing it. When I was getting into it, I began to think, am I making the biggest mistake in my life getting into this grave? And, uh, but when I saw the response of the people and how the media and lots of people got in touch and we were able to help lots of people, I, I saw how valuable it was. And on that occasion, we reached several million people, over 20 million people. The second time I did it was in Belfast in Northern Ireland in a dangerous neighborhood. And I got buried there again for three days. And we reached a lot of people in Ireland and around the world through that as well. Many people from around the planet got in touch. And this is my third time doing it. I'm in Tampa, Florida at the moment on the grounds of the River Church, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown's church here in Tampa Bay, Florida. And we're bringing words of life from the grave to people all over the United States of America and to other countries around. We've had people in touch from China, 
from Cairo, from Africa, from South America, from different countries around the world, people have been texting me. So it's um, so far the media are much quieter here than they were in Ireland, but uh, maybe that'll pick up now uh, over the rest of this day. We hope, hopefully, it will do. Yeah, sometimes it takes a little while for the media to get a hold of things. Um, yeah. That's, a, that's amazing. I just, I've been listening, I've been watching um, uh, from, you know, your grave chat. I've been watching online, and it's very amazing. Um, all the different stories. Some are sad, uh, some are hopeful. Um, unfortunately, it's very tragic things that happen. Um, and uh, I know that. Uh, the other day, you know, when we were at church, you had shared um, something about this lady whose brother was killed and about the mafia. And I yeah. that's very, the testimony was very touching. And um, I was wondering if you could wouldn't mind sharing that again and then maybe touching on um, what, what would you say to somebody who's having trouble forgiving not only others but themselves? Well, let me tell you, with a, the story I shared about this woman's brother who killed himself, which story was that? Remind me a bit of it again. Uh, the story was when um, uh, her, she had been killed, and there was Mexican mafia there, and she got up and said, I want you to know I forgive. Oh, yes, I yes, forgive. yes. Yes, that one. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, was living, I was living in London. Uh, when I finished rehabilitation and I was set free from my drugs, and like I was taking heroin, I was on 150 volume a day. And God did a miracle in my life and set me free. But I went to rehabilitation after. When I, when I completed rehab, I went back to live in London where I used to be homeless. And I used to live on the streets voluntarily at London, helping the addicted and the prostitutes and the addicts and the drug dealers. And this guy heard about me and he offered me a room in his house. His name was, he, 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 was, in, uh, he was in the Mexican Mafia. His name was Art Blagos. And uh, I believe they called the Mexican Mafia La Emmy. And he offered me a room in his house. He had been an assassin with the Mexican Mafia. He became a Christian on death row in San Quentin prison. And I shared a house with this guy for a good few months. And we walked on the streets together. We saw a number of people saved and set free by the power of God. Uh, they had a men's home and a women's home that we brought people into. And it was powerful. And he was a real man of God. He was, he was a great guy. He had completely turned his life around. He wasn't a murderer anymore. And um, one time in 19... It was a good few years ago, 1993 it was. We went back to... We came over here to the States, to uh, Los Angeles and uh, California. And this guy and myself were going around different churches sharing our life stories, giving testimony of what God had done in our lives. And one day he was talking about the guy who trained him in the mafia. Uh, I'm not going to mention his name online live, but he talked about him and he agreed, we talked about it and he agreed to go down and see if we could bring this man to a conference in San Diego. It was held by a ministry called Victor Elridge. And um, it was a conference with three and a half thousand recovered addicts and criminals and gangsters all meeting in the one, but there was about 200 Harley Davidsons parked aside from former Hells Angels and and gangbangers and so on. But the three and a half thousand of us met in this building. But my friend went and he visited the guy who trained him in the mafia, one of the main men of influence in the mafia, probably the top guy. And um, he 
invited him to this conference in San Diego. We had to get permission from the parole board to get him to allow him to leave Los Angeles. This man had done a lot of time in prison. And uh, we drove down to San Diego. We had into the conference. The man came with us. And uh, I was in the company I was keeping. It uh, was worse company than what I used to keep as a drug addict. I was with some serious gangsters now. And we went to this Christian meeting. Nothing happened the first or the second day, but I think about the third day into the conference. And uh, it was an incredible conference. I mean, the amount of recovered drug addicts and drug dealers and gangsters there was unbelievable. And they were all Christians now. It was the most amazing Christian meeting I was ever at in my life. Suddenly, one day, I was sitting up in the back. There was me. There was this main man of influence in the mafia, Mexican mafia. There was Art Blagos and another couple of people were there as well. And a girl got up on the stage and she shared about how the mafia had killed her brother. She said, the Mexican mafia killed, murdered my brother. But she said, I know there are several Mexican mafia people in the audience here today. And she said, I want you to know that I forgive you for killing my brother because God has forgiven me for what I have done. That's what the girl said. As she said, I forgive you for killing my brother, this man who was sitting beside me, he fell on his knees and he broke and he began to weep. I didn't lead him to Christ. None of us did. It was God came and touched him in that meeting and he fell on his knees and he had a big breakdown and he wept and he wept more or less for the rest of that week. And God had come into his life and his life changed. And that man has been speaking to tens of thousands of gang bangers and gang members all over the United States of America, telling them what Jesus had done in his life, how Jesus forgave him, even a murderer. Uh, that was an incredible day. I was blown away when I saw God reach that man. And that's typical of God, though, to reach key people so that they can turn their lives around because of the major influence these key people have, they in turn, as Christians, kind of a major godly Christian influence on large numbers of people. So that that's that particular testimony. Can you still hear me, Deborah? Yes, that's powerful. I was trying to see what what I had on my screen. I had some something going on. I had uh, I had you on. I didn't want to echo. <laughs> okay. That's better now. I've got you. That was such a powerful, powerful. Testimony. I just moved and feel the anointing, just hearing it all over again, and thinking about how it doesn't matter what we've done in our life. I think about Saul and um, you know how he was and how God totally changed him and transformed his life, and how he wrote almost two thirds of the New Testament, and what a what a transformation. Then and then when he was uh, at one point in the Bible, he says, "And I've harmed no one." Well, he when you think about it. You could look at it and say, well, he says he's harmed nobody. What do you think? What are you talking about? But as a new creature in Christ, all of that is forgiven, washed away like it never happened. And he's a new creation yeah. in Christ. He hasn't harmed anybody. He's completely gone. Wow, this is powerful. I, I never saw that before. Praise I never God. saw that before. You'll have to find out where that is in Scripture for me and let me know. That's really powerful. I will. I'll do that. I'll, I'll look that up and I will. I'll find that for you. Um, and, like, uh, as, as I'm sharing in here today you know I think back over my life when I was homeless on the streets of London begging for a living sticking needles in my arms when I think of the mental institutions I was in 
back in the 19, late 60s and early 70s in Ireland. Because when you were an addict in Ireland, they used to put you into the mental homes. That's the only place they could treat you. And I, they put me in padded cells and straitjackets. You know, I've seen most of my friends die from accidental overdose and suicide and AIDS. And uh, I've watched so many people die over the years. Not just my friends in Ireland I'm talking about, my friends in, in the UK that I had met, and so many of them died. And I look at the way I lived my life back then, and I look at the way I live my life now. And you're right, Deborah. The life I live now is completely different. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. I, I'm, I'm born again. And the life that I used to live is gone. I don't call myself an addict anymore. I'm clean, I'm free. The Bible says, if you know Jesus Christ, if you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. I am completely free now. I'm a married man, married to a beautiful, my beautiful wife, Tricia. She had four kids when I met her, so I had, I had four kids overnight when I got married. I've got four grandchildren now. I'm, I'm an author. I've written three books. Um, I travel around the world, preaching the gospel to people, working on the streets, speaking in prisons, speaking in schools, speaking on television and radio. I speak to governments. I advise governments. I've opened up several rehabilitation centers. I've had up to 35 staff. I've had big budgets over a million pounds a year back a number of years ago. You know, I, my life has totally transformed. I'm a new person now. And people who are listening to this and people who are listening to your radio show, whatever you're going through in your life now, if you give your life to Jesus, it turns you into a new person. So like Deborah said about the Apostle Paul, he said he never harmed anybody. But he had harmed people in his old life. But he was talking about his new life. In the new life that I live, I've never been addicted. In the new life that I've lived, I've never been abused. In the new life that I live, I'm completely free. I've got a smile in my heart. I've got to get back in my step again. And God's completely transformed my life. And he will transform your listeners' lives as well. And, and my viewers' lives, if they'll just get on their knees and repent and say, Jesus, forgive me all my sin. Come into my life and change me. Become my Lord and Savior. And then if you commit your life to him, just say, I give my life to you, God. You know, and if you're not even sure if God exists, you know, say to him like I did. I said, God, I'm not even sure if you exist. But if you do, I ask you, please, reveal yourself to me because I'm dying. I've nowhere left to go. And I've been sexually abused. I've been physically abused. I've, been, I've overdosed like 20 times. It's a miracle I'm still alive. I've had, I said, a liver transplant. I had to get 41 pints of blood transfusion in my body three years ago just to keep myself alive. So I've faced death many times. That's one of the reasons it's not freaky for me to come into a coffin. I'm ready to die. I know where I'm going to go when I die. I ain't going to hell. I'm going to heaven. Because Jesus Christ died for me, and I believe that by faith, and he rose again. And my sins are forgiven because of his precious blood. I believe those things. And if anybody's watching or listening through your radio station, I pray in Jesus' name that you submit your life to God. That you call out to God and say, God, reveal yourself to me. Forgive me my sin and come into my life. And then just quite simply hand your life over to God. Turn around from the way you're living. Start doing what you know you should be doing. And find a good Bible-believing church that you can go to. We're in Tampa, Florida here at the moment. And the church that we're buried in is the River Church, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown's church. This is an incredible church. And they're reaching out. They had about 5,000 people here this Sunday. They gave away like a 1,000, nearly 1,000 turkeys and hams to people who couldn't afford to get their own. So church is so exciting. I've met people this week in this church who were former gangsters, drug dealers, prostitutes, pimps, 
And they're all set free, and they're all attending church now. Godly men and women attending Bible school, living not just normal lives, but extraordinary lives, way beyond what's normal in the world. They're using their lives to reach other people. And that's what church is meant to be about. I agree with that. That is just, it's amazing. Um, uh, you know, Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians 5.17, it talks about, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And That's in the right. Amplified version, it says, in the Amplified, it says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. So you're talking about you, you're not an addict or alcoholic anymore and all no, these no. things because the previous moral and spiritual condition is gone the, the moment you accepted Jesus and let him help you, to, you know, let him take over your life. It's, it's over. And, it's and as, I, as I submitted to God's will, the devil left me. Praise God. You know, and I just, I do the will of God now. And it's the will of God that I'm in this coffin today speaking to you and lots of other people around the world and talking to them about the change that God can bring into, into our lives. And I'm believing that God will raise me up even more to speak to governments, even the United States government and the Irish government and the, and the, Eng- and the British government, that I can begin to be, bring a bit of wisdom to their policies for dealing with drug addiction how to tackle all the different issues that surround addiction. Because this country, the United States, is going through an opioid epidemic at the moment. Nearly 60,000 people died in 2016 from drug overdoses. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. That doesn't include the people who died of AIDS and hepatitis C and liver failure and heart failure as a result of drugs. It doesn't count the amount of people who've got mental disorders as a result of drugs. The cost of drug abuse is huge in every country in the world. And it's going to take people like me and people like you, Deborah, to get the word out about freedom that exists through the help of Jesus Christ. Amen. I agree with that. It's, it's, you know, every, and I think what you're doing is, is wonderful. It's beautiful. It, it, ha- it helps draw attention to, to all these things, that, these terrible things that are happening in, in these people's lives. And, and, um, you know, I, I found that one scripture. Uh, it's in, I believe this is the one I'm thinking of. It's in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 2. And uh, he's ta- actually, I can start from 1. He says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. And then he goes on to, to say, I speak not this to condemn you, for I have said before that ye are in our hearts to die and live with you. And then he goes on to say other things. But think about it. He says, receive us. We have wronged no man. He went out, and he had a, the Christians arrested, beaten, thrown into jail. And we've corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. But that was Saul. That was the old person. That was the person right. of sin. But the new person, the person of Christ, the new creation, he didn't do those things. When Jesus died and he took our sins with him and he buried, you know, he's buried and he rose again. When you look at them, when the devil accuses him and say, you know, John did this before he did blah, blah, blah. 
Jesus says, I don't know what you're talking about. The blood washed it completely away. I have no record of it. That's right. Like if you if you had if you had a book and it had all these words written on it, when Jesus came, you turn the you turn that book over and there's there's a blank page. All those words are gone. The record of sin and all those things that happened to us that we did to other people are gone. That's right. We're brand new brand new creations in Christ Jesus. The old but is I, gone, I the new is gone. Yeah, I, I think that, like you were talking about on um, from the grave, I, I know you were talking about having, um, um, you know, where our thinking is, is you know, we've got to change our thinking. Unfortunately, people, even though they're born again, they still have with them what they did to other people, and they find it hard to get over that and hard to forgive themselves. So um, I know we only have about five minutes or more because I know you want to save your voice and, do this yeah. limited. You're more than welcome to come on at another time. But what would you okay. say in these last moments to somebody who is having a hard time forgiving themselves or other people? And then also, John, you're more than welcome to stay on longer. I'm just trying to be considerate of your voice and okay. everything. So we've got about four minutes and 30 seconds. It's up to you. But what would you say to those people that because of their thought process, they don't see how God sees that they're actually forgiven? Well, well. First of all, let's not worry about the time for the moment, okay? Okay. Uh, so I'll just keep on going for the moment. So um, right. I would say to properly understand recovery, and I I explain what recovery is in this grave chat, and I'll be doing it again later on today. To properly understand recovery, recovery is three things, Deborah. Number one is getting right with God. Number two is getting right with ourselves, and number three is getting right with other people. So we can't forgive ourselves in our own strength. We need God's help to do it. And we do it like when we look into the scriptures and we see ourselves for who we really are. We understand that it was the sinful nature within us that caused us to do a lot of things that were wrong. And we've hurt people. We've, we've abused people, maybe physically or mentally. And, um, you know, we, we've even hurt ourselves by, by uh, putting ourselves into situations where we put ourselves into company that harmed us. We've, we've done things with our finances that we shouldn't have done. We maybe took loans that, that caused us to go into debt. We, we, lot done, we have done lots of different things where we've harmed ourselves. And to recover properly, you need, you need God's help. And so, number one, we get right with God. We admit we've got a problem and that we need God's help. So we give our lives to God. Number two, you've got to look through your life and look at the mistakes that you make and this mistake that you've made, where you've hurt yourself and hurt other people. And you've got, to, you've got to share this with somebody else. The way to find forgiveness is sometimes is to share it with somebody else. The book of James, chapter 5, verse 16 says, if we confess our faults or our sin to one another, it brings healing. So that's where healing begins. It, may, it begins with one, admitting that we've done something wrong or a number of things wrong. And number two, it means... Sharing it, talking about it, airing it, getting it out in the open. And then you ask God to forgive you. And that's the process that I take. And there are some things that I've done, like years ago, where, for example, I introduced some people to drugs. And today, unfortunately, they're no longer with us. Now, I didn't personally kill those people. But maybe if I had said no and not given them them drugs, they might be still alive today. Now, I never pushed the drugs on them. They asked me for them. But nevertheless, if I wasn't playing that part in their life, maybe they'd still be alive. So I had some guilt and shame, obviously, regarding, regarding these things. And 
I had to come to terms with these things and then make amends. And uh, I had to forgive myself. Sometimes I would have had a bit of a bad temper. I'd be impatient. And I still can be sometimes. And I, I don't want to be too hard on myself. I want to be gentle with myself and treat myself with love. Because I, I, I'm committed to loving other people now. But we can only love other people as we love ourselves. So we've got to forgive ourselves first. And only as we forgive ourselves can we forgive other people who have harmed us. So that's just the way, I, that's just the way that I do it, Deborah. So, uh, so we've got to love ourselves. The person that we used to be, we don't love. We're going to get rid of that person. But the person that Christ is making us into, if we give our lives to God, we will fall in love with ourselves. Not, not in a soulish, negative, selfish, egotistical way, but in a way where we love ourselves to the degree that we will want to look after ourselves better. And that includes forgiving ourselves. And we punish ourselves long enough for some of the mistakes and the regrets that we live with over things that we've done in the past. But living in regrets for mistakes that we've made is not going to make any difference to our future. Well, except a negative difference. But if we forgive ourselves and release ourselves from what we've done in the past, whether it's to ourselves or to other people, we release ourselves and we give ourselves permission to live a better life, to live a happier life, we begin to walk free. That's, that's, that's what I do, Deborah. And that's where it cut off on the live show. I didn't want to just leave it like that. I wanted to come and add a couple of things. And just basically, I agree with what he said. It's powerful words right there. That interview uh, was when he was still in the grave in the, during a grave chat. And it's on Monday, I believe. It's past Monday. So I feel like the interview went really well. And I just want you to think about those words and know that you are loved, you are forgiven, 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 forgiven. No matter what you've done to yourself or others, you're just, you're forgiven. And it's good to know, isn't it? I'm really glad we got a chance to, to be together tonight. I'm glad you got to listen to the interview and meet John Edwards. He's a mighty man of God and is unique, creative ways of reaching people and reaching out to them. And I just, I think you're amazing. You listeners are wonderful. You mean so much to me. And I'm so glad you're part of my life. I pray for you all the time. I shouldn't say all the time. I pray for you a lot. I guess all the time. I'll be constant 24-7, but I pray for you a lot. You're important to me. Uh... But John Edwards, I don't, I don't believe is going to be a stranger to this radio show. He'll be on it again at some point. I'm not sure when, but I will let you know. But I just want to tell you that I love you. I'm glad you're here tonight. And contact me if you want on firetalkradio76 at gmail.com. Send me an email, say hi, or ask me a question or give me a testimony or prayer request. And just know that I love you. God loves you. He's enthralled with your beauty. If you were the only one in the world, he still would have come and died for you. And he looks in a crowded room. You're the only one he sees. He loves you. You're the apple of his eye. And I just feel the prayer. I just feel like there's somebody listening in an underground church. And I want you to know I'm praying for you. 
I feel like you're listening right now, and and uh, I pray for your protection and know that God loves you and He sees you where you are right now. Be strong and lifted up in in the might of of our Lord Jesus Christ, and and know that He's there with you. He protects you. He loves you. You're important to Him, and He sees what you're doing. He He did, nothing goes unnoticed by God. Every labor of love, every sacrifice made, nothing goes unnoticed by him. And he sees your your, your labor, and he's going to reward it swiftly and quickly. And that answer to the prayer that you just said has just been just been answered. So the the answer to that prayer is, is now. Uh, keep listening and know that I love you. I'm praying for you and and be strong and and strong in the might of the Lord, the power of His might. And know that you are loved and you're valuable. And as for everybody, yes, you are all loved and valuable. You're wonderful. I love you. God loves you so 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 much. Until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of His hand. And envelop you in his love.
Operate on me, operate on me. 